it's so good to see you guys. Uh, just listen, if you're uh, a guest tonight, just know that we are super glad you're here. My name is Mark. If we haven't got the chance to meet, I uh, met a couple of you out there with the races uh, going on. That was fun. I'd like to do that again. But I do have something that I want to share with you tonight because we are going to finish up our series in, um, about friendship. Um, so to give you kind of a, a catch up, week one, we talked about finding Nemo. Do you, who's here for that? Right, so there's this moment where um, he's with all his friends, and there's this like, are we going to go out into that area, you know, or not? And Nemo's not allowed to, and so they kind of peer pressure him too. And then Dad swoops in, and then the the my favorite teacher of any movie, well, nothing to see here, kids, you know. Uh, anyway, that that whole scene happens. We kind of talked about that and how sometimes that's how we do get into trouble, um, but also. Um, some of us, and, and, and maybe all of us, uh, struggle with the rules that our parents put on us. And I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a kid. I'm also a parent. And so I, I see both sides of that. And, you know, we, so we talked about that. We talked about how important you are to your family, you know, and, and how it still matters to follow those rules and all that stuff, but your friends matter. In the second week, we talked about guarding that inner circle. If you remember that chart that we put on, it's called the Dunbar number, meaning that there's, no one can really have more than five very close friends within their inner circle, like the people that you share kind of your deepest parts of your life with. We, you, if you remember, you were here that night, we said, who would say they have never and will never share their deepest, darkest secrets with anyone? And we kind of had some discussion about that. And then last week, Eli did an incredible job teaching us about how to be the friend that we want, because we would all say, we want friends that are honest, that are trustworthy, that are dependable, that are loyal. Um, But some of us don't display those characteristics ourselves, and so it's important to also be that friend. Um, Tonight's going to be difficult, because we're going to talk about what happens when friendships do end and what to do after. Now, I don't want to take a survey tonight about who's recently had a friendship end because that might need some counseling and we'll just skip on past that. So I'll just tell you some stories about me. Um, I have found that sometimes uh, that, that friends do part ways and that friendships end and we need to figure out if it's um, like a big deal or if it's just kind of like life happening. Because, uh, let me just ask this question real quick. Who has ever uh, moved from one area to a whole other area? I don't mean like, yeah, we lived in Siena and then we bought another house in Siena. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, you're in a new school, in a new school district, maybe in a new state. A lot of us. Okay, so who's moved uh, one time before? Who's moved at least two times? Who's moved at least three times? And are we gonna we're gonna keep going? Who's moved at least four times? Yeah. Who's moved at least five times? Let's just go ahead and skip. Has anyone moved ten times? Do you have like that number in your head? Okay. You've got eight? Okay, so when I said ten times, you kept your hand up. I was like, oh, angels moved more than ten times. Okay. So um so I tell you what, I tell you what we'll do. Jonathan and Angel. If you guys want to argue about that, there's a fantastic time and place to do that, and it's literally not right now. <laughs> so, um, I so you say eight and you say nine. Is that is that okay? Five. Okay, cool. So you think five, and we'll argue about it later. I have moved eight times in my life. Now I'm older than y'all, 
but that's still, I think, probably more than the average person. Now, when I was younger, uh, like, you know, zero to 18, it was really like my dad's job that kept moving us in different places. So we moved when I was two. I don't remember that move because I was two. Uh, We moved in the middle of third grade, and then we moved in the middle of seventh grade. Um, And so that was kind of you know, how my upbringing happened. And then I moved a couple times as an adult uh, because of kind of some job stuff happening. Now, when you move, who's moved at least once? Raise your hand again. Um, did you keep up your friendships after you moved? Like yes or no? Some? So I know, I know that we all probably have like nuanced like comments, but by and large, like, would you say Yes. Who would say no? No. Okay, cool. And, you know, what's interesting about that is depending on when you move, like when I was in third grade, there was no keeping up with my friends in whatever, 1991 or something. I don't know what year it was. Um, But it was pre-cell phones, pre-social media and all that. So there wasn't like keeping up with friends. There was like, I could write a letter to this person, put a stamp on it, and then it could get there in like two months. (laughs) And then, um, just joking. But that's how things would happen, and so just kind of lost track of, of friendships that way. Now, things are a little different. Who's, who's moved in the last year? The last year you've moved, yeah, Kyle, um, Eli, Jayton, okay, yeah, so, so you, you may be even be still kind of feeling like some of that. Like, every once in a while, when we talk to our kids, like, we moved here three years ago, and when we talk to our kids, every once in a while, like, some conversations about our friends in Ohio show up. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, we had those people. But it's been a long time, so sometimes we forget. Sometimes you change schedules. And so, like, the person that you were in class with last year, you're not in class with this year. And you kind of, like, just drift apart. There's nothing, any, never anything wrong. You just kind of don't talk as much anymore. Anyone kind of feel that? Like, yeah, like I have someone that I used to be friends with, but I know I just kind of don't really see him. Nothing's wrong. We just don't see each other all that often. Yeah. Anyone, uh, so those of you who moved, I'm guessing you moved school districts too. Is that like fair to say? Like pretty, yeah, in different situations. And so you're going to be with some new people. Um, Who has been, uh, just curious, who has been the new kid uh, at a school like in the middle of the year? Just in the middle of the year, like on a Wednesday you showed up. That's a special kind of crazy, isn't it? They're like, they're like living their lives, and then you show up, and, and you take the desk, and you just kind of enter into the new school year, you know, which for them started months ago, but for you started like today. And so um, I can tell you that when I moved uh, in seventh grade, I moved from Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, to Indianapolis, Indiana. And that's a big shift. Um, I can remember specifically the style of clothing in Alabama at that point was like jeans and something called Timberland boots. Do you know what Timberlands are? Some of you sneakerheads know. I mean, you're laughing like they're still like they're fine. They're nice. Are Timberlands not nice? They are. Thank you, Jonathan. I knew I was going to get some help from Jonathan. Eli's laughing at me. We'll talk after. (laughs) Jeans, Timberland boots. And flannel shirts. Don't ask me why flannel shirts in Alabama, because it was deathly hot. You guys know about deathly hot. But when I moved to Indiana, that was not the style. 
That was not the style. Uh, it was like Tommy Hilfiger was a real big deal when I was in seventh grade. Uh, so this would have been about 1997 or so. Uh, and Nike and, you know, it was like, what basketball jersey are you wearing? That's what was possible because Indiana is basketball country. So I show up in jeans and flannels and boots um, in a season where a show called Home Improvement was very popular. And there was a character on Home Improvement called Al Borland, and he wore jeans and flannels and boots, but he was a nerd. Tell you what, that didn't help me out at all, at all. Like, I was already on, on the negative end of, like, cool points, and, like, I walk in. And then also, there was this little movie called Forrest Gump that had come out. Oh, so we've seen this movie. Okay, so around the time I was in seventh grade, and does anybody know where Forrest Gump is from? Greenbow, Alabama. And uh, I tell you what, when someone named Forrest Gump, who's like not known for his intellectual acumen, uh, is the most popular on the movie screens, and where are you from? I'm from Alabama. Oh, run, Forrest, run. All those jokes start to happen. I'm like, Mom, Dad, get me the heck out of here. Like, I have come in enemy territory. Like, I need some Tommy Hilfiger, and I need Forrest Gump to disappear, like, out of culture. And so if you've ever been a new kid, you know, um, so it's tough. It's tough. Making new friends is incredibly difficult, especially in middle school. Maybe it's hot. Maybe it's more difficult in high school. I don't know. Maybe we could have an open mic night to share about that another time. But in middle school, for me, it was very, let's hold those bottles uh, maybe on the floor or just throw them in the trash. Um, so anyway, it was, it was difficult. So I moved and I changed friends. That's, that's kind of that's what happens. But also, I've had some friendships change because something happened and it wasn't good. I've had friendships change because um, I had to break away from a group of friends who I didn't think was going the right direction. That was just me. That's just me. And uh, there was, a, I think I talked about that the first week that um, I had a group of friends in high school and we all had kind of the same idea, like no alcohol, no drugs, none of this stuff that's going to get us arrested, uh, scholarship loss, scholarships lost or anything like that. Went to college, uh, a Christian college actually, and I wasn't like a super Christian or anything, but I was like around some people that were pointing me in the right direction. It was super healthy. Came home and noticed that some of my old friends that I'd used to hang out with had kind of changed some of their behaviors. And so it was very, very weird for me. I felt very, very awkward. If you've ever felt that awkwardness of like, uh, my friends that I used to be friends with are not necessarily my friends anymore. And it's just, what do we do about that? I've been, um, I've had my trust betrayed. Like I said, we're going to talk about me tonight, not about you. I'm not trying to make it about me, but I don't necessarily want everyone to share all their deepest, you know, darkest stuff. So I've had my trust betrayed one time. Uh, someone that had, had told me, and this is, this is Mark as an adult, okay, Mark as an adult. So this was, was uh, in the 2010 decade, 2010 to 2020. Um, I had someone betray my trust, and it completely derailed our friendship for a while, completely derailed our friendship because it was betrayed in a pretty big way. Something that I had shared with them was shared with other people, uh, and, and it was difficult for me, Mark, to overcome. I don't know about you. Maybe you're like, no big deal. Everyone can know my stuff. For me, I was very uh, not just embarrassed, but I was like, I trusted you. I trusted you, and you shared that with someone else in it. And it hurt. And what did I feel about that? Did I just go sharing with that person again? No, sir. Like, trust is uh, very difficult to earn. Listen to me. So some of you need to hear this. It's very difficult to earn. Trust is very difficult to earn. 
and you can lose it in like a second. Now, the middle schoolers are talking in the back are probably not going to get this. Hey, Kyle, you going to focus tonight? Cool. So that stuff that's happened to me that I had to now figure out how to, to figure out uh, how to how to deal with that. Sometimes I, I had this one situation where people that I did uh, qualify as friends uh, started to make friends with some other folks that were in some dangerous, dangerous places. Uh, so it's not necessarily that they were doing anything wrong, but they were starting to hang out with people that were doing stuff wrong. So I'm like, oh man, like by, by the guilt of association, like I'm hanging out with some people that are doing, there's lots of ways that this gets really difficult. And if I can just be honest with you right now, over the course of my like 38 years or so, I've had to make some difficult decisions with friends. And if I can just be very honest with you, you're going to have to as well. You are going to have to as well. There's going to be a million different reasons that you might have to change up some friendship situations. And some of those things are going to be because you changed schools, right? Some of you are in middle school right now are going to end up in high school, and you were at different middle schools, and now you're at uh, all one high school, and you're kind of, it's a new situation, new systems, kind of a new cultural point, and so you're going to have to kind of change some things, different schedule, different everything. Middle school and high school, there's a big shift. High school to college, there's a big shift, stuff happens. When you go from your senior year of high school, right, we've talked to some of you seniors about this, into college, it is like way, way different. It's way different. And you get to figure out how to make healthy friendship decisions along the way. In Acts chapter 15, there's this moment where we see um, some friends separate. And it's for, it's like inside the church too. So this isn't just well, my friend at school did this, and now I don't want to be friends with him. This is like two believers, two Christ followers who had been through thick and thin together that had been building the church together, had a sharp disagreement and had to separate. Now, the book of Acts, if you're new to the Bible, um, it's interesting that uh, the book of Acts happens right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all kind of the story about Jesus. He's born, he lives these 33 years in kind of the perfect, perfect way, uh, never sins. And then uh, he does ministry for three of those years. And then at the end, he dies and he rises again three days later. And four different people talk about that specific story from four different viewpoints. And the book of Acts is like, what happens after that? And let me just tell you what happens after that. This is all kind of, it's in the, the back half of, uh, of the Bible. And the book of Acts is the birth of the church. So let me just if I can just emphasize it again, these are people doing a very important thing together, birthing the church. And in Acts chapter 15, they are having maybe one of the most important discussions in the book of Acts because you had these Jews and you had the Gentiles and they were two very culturally different groups of people. The Jews had been the people in the Old Testament trying to follow God through all these laws and the temple rules and the sacrifices and all this stuff. Well, the Gentiles had kind of been doing their own thing. And some of them had worshiped different idols outside of Judaism. Some, none of them though were, were in kind of the Jewish circles. Um, but when Jesus showed up, they're like, yeah, he's the real deal. He's the son of God. He died. He rose again. Like he's the one we're following. And so the Jews are like, wait, 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 wait. You just showed up to the party 
and we've been doing all this stuff, all the sacrifices, and, and some of us guys here had like a little surgery that you guys didn't have, and like, this is gonna have to be hammered out. You know, we're gonna have to figure out like, are you ready to like live by our rules? And there's this whole like argument happening inside the church. And what ended up happening is this something called the Jerusalem Council. If you wanna learn about it, it's right there in Acts chapter 15. Um, the Jerusalem Council happens. And essentially what they say is, we need to make sure that we don't make it difficult for the Gentiles to come to Jesus because the most important thing here is Jesus. And so we're not gonna get in the way. And us Jews over here, we're gonna have to figure out how to like live by the Jesus way and not by like the old school Judaism way because Jesus is kind of common. He's, he switched some things up. And so they had, they had kind of a coming together. Well, after that, like 30 verses after that, you've got a guy named Paul. We know Paul, right? Paul like did uh, all those missionary journeys. He started a bunch of churches. And then you have Barnabas, Barnabas over here who's like an encourager. He's like a friend and confidant and a co-worker. And they, these two have been working to build the church. And so they're talking about taking a trip. And here's the conversation they have. Acts chapter 15, verse. we're going to read 36 through 38 real quick. To start, it says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city. You know, I'm going to read from the screen because my version is different. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back to, um, to visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Let me just pause there for just a second. They planted churches in all these different cities. If you, if you have a Bible, um, you could probably look to the back. In a lot of Bibles, there's one of these maps talks about the missionary journeys that Paul went on. And when he was on those missionary journeys, he was planting churches. He was like sharing the gospel and was like, all right, y'all got to get this thing up and running. So he stayed with them for a little bit, helped them plant. And then he left, moved to the next town and helped them plant another church. And so what he's talking about is like, we need to go and like check on these churches. It was very different back then. So we don't have this kind of situation now. We have all of our churches that are kind of up and running because we've been doing this for a little while. You know, there's no one coming to check on us. You know, we've got Houston's first, and then we've got all these wonderful churches in Siena that we have good, you know, friendships and relationships with, but we're all kind of doing our own thing, right? Now, Paul and Barnabas don't agree about how they should do this. Let's go to the next slide real quick. Um, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Basically, John had uh, bailed on, on the mission trip the first time. And so what happens? They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. I think there's one more slide of verses, if I'm correct. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Two guys in charge of starting all these churches had a disagreement and parted ways. How do you think that worked? Do you think people like gossip? They're like, oh, what do you think happened? You think, do you think they're ever going to talk again? Do you think, I bet they did. I bet they did. I bet that's what happened. Maybe you're in the room right now and you've had a friendship kind of end and it maybe had kind of a public ending and, uh, and people have asked you questions. Hey, I don't see you hanging out with that person anymore. Like, what's going on? Or maybe, you're, maybe your family even asks you, you know, like, hey, I notice you don't go over to their house anymore. I notice that you guys don't go see movies anymore. And some of these things, they part. And so you have to know what to do after. There's two things 
that I want to say about what we should do in those moments. And I really want you to listen to these because the average teenager, listen to me, the average teenager doesn't have this moment to have this conversation. And so the average teenager blows some things up not knowing the consequences are worse than than before, okay? Two things that I want you to do. The first thing is I want you to choose what you think about that other person. I want you to choose what you think about that other person. Now, what does that mean? Why, Why does it matter what you think? Like, what if, like, well, I, like, hate that person inside of my heart, so, like, but I would never, like, gossip about them. I'd never talk trash about them. What do you think Jesus would say about that? Anybody know what Jesus said about, like, our heart versus our actions? Jesus, Jesus essentially, like, almost right out of the gate, like, he's going to, his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, is like, you, he keeps saying, you've heard it said. In other words, the Old Testament says this, if you kill somebody, that's a sin. And you're like, easy. I have never killed anybody. I'm good. He said, but I say that if you call someone fool, that you're guilty of murder in your heart, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I've done that a lot of times. I have murdered a lot of people in my head, apparently. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery with another woman. But I say, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, guys, you've already committed adultery in your heart. What is Jesus saying in those moments? First of all, we are all hopeless. (laughs) We are all hopeless. And there's good news, right? Because Jesus is like, I've come to bring life. I've come to bring like life more abundantly. Like I'm giving you salvation. I want you to have peace in a relationship with me. And I'm gonna, I wanna rescue you out of your sin. But just understand like you can't do this life on your own. So let's take it all the way back to friendship. What does Jesus say about what's going on inside of your heart? You can feel whatever you want in your heart, but as long as you don't say anything ugly about those people, you're good. I don't think he would say that. What would he say? You've, you've heard it said, like, don't call anyone names. You've heard it said, don't gossip about people. You've heard it said, don't lie or betray people. That's, that's maybe how he would start it. What do you think, how do you think he would finish it? But I say, it's what you think about them in your heart that matters, right? If, if, we, if, if calling someone a fool or having judgment for someone unrighteously in our head is like, is like murdering them, then, then, then you can't just clean up your words. Now, please have a filter. Like, you just hear me. Please have a filter on your words. Like, we should all have a filter. We should all kind of maybe take some words that are in our head and just kind of grab them before they come out. But you know what that is? Like, the scriptures talk about our heart as uh, the wellspring of life. And and the scripture also talks about our tongue as the thing that kind of unleashes what's already in our heart. Like, our, our words kind of tell on us sometimes. So you can do as much as you can to, like, hide the fact that you really, really hate someone, but eventually it's going to come out. And at the end of the day, it's not about hiding it anyway. Let me just tell you, I, I don't want to live a life where I'm leading like this double life where, where I have to just make sure no one ever knows that I don't hate that person. You know why? Because that means I have to lie every day. 
That means I have to. So what's the, what's the difference maker? The difference maker is maybe do as much as you can to forgive them and move on with your life in peace. Do you know what I want in my life? I want more peace. I don't want more like, oh, make sure nobody hears me talking about that, that person. Make sure nobody knows that I really hate that person in my heart. Like what I want is peace. I don't want to live a double life. So when you choose what to think about that other person, what do you think follows? Let's do this. Don't raise your hand. If you are harboring hatred or bitterness for somebody, don't raise your hand. Don't point fingers. What would it take for you to give that over at the foot of the cross and just say, you know what, God, I just release it. I just I just release it. And I choose not to have bitterness or hatred for that person anymore. Hear me. I know that's not easy. I know that for some of you, you think it's impossible. What I would tell you is I think what we think is impossible, Jesus calls possible. He can do the supernatural with just our very little bit of just offering. Kind of like the feeding of the 5,000, right? Five, lish, five fish, two loaves, or five loaves, two fish, whatever it was, fed like 20,000 people. That's impossible. And that's just like a meal. We're talking about like your heart. If you are a Christian in this room, let me tell you, like you have no business harboring bitterness and anger and hatred in your heart for someone else. Even if, that person hurts you so bad. You were friends and now you're not, even if. So we choose what to think about the other person. What is the second thing? I want you to choose what to do. I want you to choose what to do. Now, this is easier. Do we have that on the screen? Thank you. If you choose what to think about that other person, Choosing what to do is a land, it's like a it's like a it's like a landslide. Like it's just easy. Like it's downhill from there. Why? Because you win that battle in your mind first. You win that battle in your heart first. You give that, you give that over to the Lord. You may have to do it more than once. You may have to go to the altar. You may have to go to God in prayer more than once to say, God, I'm gonna ask you to, to give me the power. Do you guys understand? All eyes on me for just a second. Do you guys understand that you cannot do this in your own power? Some of us are so like, you know, Christianity's stupid. Like I, I ask Jesus for help and then I don't feel like I keep singing, sinning and like he's supposed to fix that. And here's the deal. Like you can't stop that sin in your own power. And for you to think that you could, it's like no wonder we're confused about stuff. But you win that battle in your heart. You give them over to God in your heart first and choosing what to do. Now, let me just be real practical so everyone hears me, and this is the last thing I'll say. What are some things that you think are helpful to not do to someone that maybe you used to be friends with and now you're not? What are some things you're tempted to do that might not be the right move? Gossip. What's a gossip? Let's just be real clear. It's talking behind people's back. It could, some people say gossip is like lying about someone. It may be the truth and you just have no business sharing it, right? You know something about somebody and you share it with someone that's none of their business. And it's usually for your own benefit to be the, like the, you got the juice, right? You got that, it's like, hey, listen up, listen up. So yeah, gossip. What else? Hmm? Picking on them, yeah. 
You let that stuff go. EJ. Stealing money from their wallet is very specific. Oh no, I you know it's it, it has happened before for sure. Oh okay okay all right. Uh, confession time for EJ. All right, uh, let's go, Angel. Shh. Say that again. Ooh. Hey, middle schoolers, those are high school problems. <laughs> Some of the middle schoolers are like, I know what that's like. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, it, gets, it gets a little deeper. So let's dig into that for just a second. Manipulating that person or manipulating other people, like about them. Good. Yep. Yeah. And their own personal gain is usually like weak sauce. It's like, what's the point? Ainsley. Revenge. Revenge is uh, something that like, it's in all of us. It's in me. I say that. Am I all alone in that? Like sometimes you want to get revenge on the people that hurt you. Am I all alone? Okay. I'm not alone. Cool. Yeah. Chris. Revenge. Yeah. Keegan, talking crap about people. Yeah, yeah, all those things. Now, here's, here's the thing. Listen to me and we'll be done. I want to challenge you. What does it look like to choose what you think about the other person? I want, you to, I want you to think about that because so many people will leave here and not apply that at all. That's fine. Just don't call yourself a Christian. Gulp. What does God say about the way we treat each other? You'll know them by the love they have for each other. You'll know them by the way they gossip about each other. You'll know them about the way they, they get revenge on each other. If we trust God with the salvation of our very souls for like eternity, what's stopping you from trusting him with giving something over. The thing that I've learned the most is that when you, for some reason, sometimes we like to hold on to that anger and that bitterness. I want all eyes on me because I think this might save you some grief. For some reason, we like to hold on to that anger. And I don't know why. It's just it's like a power move, right? It's like, um, yeah, you know what you did to me. I'm gonna treat you like this forever. You hold on to that. It's like you are taking your own poison. Like you're wishing the poison on them, but you are the one living with that in your heart. So I want to challenge you. What does it look like to choose what you think about the other person? Friendships are going to end. And, and that might hurt. They might end because you're in a different schedule in a different school. They might, they might end because, man, there was an event and I can never be friends. I can never trust that person ever again. Choose what you think about that other person and then choose what you do. And then you'll literally share the gospel with the world about the fact that your heart's given over to Jesus or you'll just look like another hypocrite. And so you get to choose which way you go with that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, I, 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 we just put, our, we put ourselves in your hands with this.
where we put ourselves in, our, in your hands. We can't do this on our, on our own. And so, Lord, we just, um, we trust you. Lord, I pray that we would challenge ourselves with what it looks like to figure out how to give those moments of, uh, those feelings of bitterness and anger over to you. I pray that one student tonight would challenge themselves to do that. Let's see your name and pray.